Do you ever feel like you're always on? What do you do when you need a moment to chill? How would you like to hit the reset button to get ready for what's next? These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nothing but nonstop hustle all the time. Sometimes you just need a moment to turn off and hit reset, and that's when you can reach for Coors Light. It's made to chill. Look, it's summertime. Transfer window is coming up. It's gonna get crazy. So if you ever just wanna, again, take a step back and relax, read the transfer rounds, read the gossip rumors, grab a Coors Light. It'll be perfect companion for all those transfer merry-go-rounds. There's only one beer out there that's literally made to chill, and that's Coors Light. The mountains on the bottles and cans even turn blue when the beer is cold. That way you always know when it's time to chill. When you need to hit reset, just open a Coors Light. It's mountain cold refreshment made to chill. Now that it's finally hot in Minnesota, I'm gonna be looking for an easy beer to drink, and Coors Light is perfect for that. It's lagered, it's cold filtered, and it's cold packaged. It's, again, made to chill. It's crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies perfect for a moment to unwind and so when you want to hit reset reach for the beer that's made to chill get coors light in the new look delivered straight to your door with drizzly or instacart coors brewing company golden colorado and as always celebrate all right so you're listening to this podcast right now london is blue and guess what we host our podcast on anchor.fm that's right if you're looking to host your own podcast this is the easiest free way to get started. This has got a content creation tool allows you to record and the podcast right from a phone. That's right, don't even need a computer, but you can do it there too. They'll also help you distribute it, which is probably the most challenging part. You don't want to have to mess with that. They got you covered. You can get it right on a Spotify and Apple Podcasts as well as any other place podcasts are found. And you know what? You can monetize it too. Make a little cash for sharing your great content with the world. It's everything you need to make a podcast all in one individual place. So you know what? Head over to your app store, download the Anchor app, or head to anchor.fm to get started if you're ready to launch your podcast and make it happen. Hi, I'm Paulo Ferreira, and you are listening to The London is Blue. Welcome back, Chelsea fans, to the London is Blue podcast, a podcast made for the fans, by the fans, celebrating the only team that matters. Come on, you blues. Welcome back, Chelsea fans, to another episode of the London is Blue podcast presented by World Soccer Shop. Head on over to worldsoccershop.com for the best Chelsea championship gear available. So much gold there. There's gold everywhere. Back on the hot seat with me this week are both Dan and Nick. Gents, gentlemen, do you still have goosebumps from everything that went down today? I mean, Nick, how are you holding up? It was like, you know, it was a big emotional roller coaster today. I mean, it... There, there was so much happening between JT winning the title, breaking 30 wins, all of the major markers, and then, you know, kind of looking around. Uh, the last day is always kind of hectic in the Premier League. So many storylines going down. But, yeah, it was just a uh, it was a, a hectic day, a lot to consume, a lot to take in. And luckily for us, I mean, it was all good stuff. Yeah, there was an opportunity to process a lot of emotion today, Nicholas, and uh, I think it was also an opportunity to, uh, you know, confetti. I think was uh, was called for. I think uh, popping champagne bottles, which uh, I don't think actually we have one this week. So this might be the first week in two <laughs> that we don't have a pop champagne bottle to start off the podcast. But you know, it's because uh, 
you know, Conte is a red wine kind of guy, and that, that's what the uh, the beverage of choice should be for tonight. You know, the hard work paid off last weekend, so we got to celebrate then, as we saw everybody do. But you know, it's okay. We can we can cruise into this one. We knew what was going to happen before the match started, and that is the best way to kick off the 38th match of the season. But before we get into this, we do have iTunes reviews, so that means two of you get some awesome shout-outs from Dan because you left five-star reviews. Dan, who are our new best friends on the pod? Well, we have to give a wonderful shout-out to a man with a great name, a gentleman by the name of Dan Picard in the uh, you know UK who left a five-star review thanking us for uh, some of the good work that we've been doing and also the ability to convince him our ability to assess Chelsea appropriately, even though we are from America. So thank you for looking beyond that. And we also have uh, Mocha Hashish, who is actually a U.S. review uh, by way of Egypt. And so thank you for for giving us some positive recognition there, too. He called out that Chelsea were going to go for the 30th win in his review, and uh, Conte did not disappoint. So as always, if you'd like to get a little love on the podcast in the first few minutes, leave a five-star review in iTunes. We'll pull it in. We'll talk to you. We'll shout it out. And next week, Powder Keg, Nick, will give you a little love. Back in it. All right. Well, let's go ahead and do our first quick shout out to World Soccer Shop. And then we've got to get into the Sunderland match review. Here we go. Dan, the the champions kits uh, that World Soccer Shop has put together uh, to to commemorate Chelsea's epic uh, Premier League season long, uh, more than a half season victory are, are pretty awesome, aren't they? Yeah, you know the important part that you made mention of there is the fact that it had to be more than half of the season actually was judged over the entire season. The victory. Mm. Yep. Yeah. So that's that's kind of how they do the the Premier League and that, and that's pretty neat. So uh, overall, go to World Soccer Shop, use a referral link. We posted it everywhere. Uh, it's the best way to support our show. It's the best way to uh, to help us kind of uh, do bigger and better things as we head into next season, which I know you all want. So WorldSoccerShop.com referral link help us. Great. All right, it is time to go over the Sunderland match, the final game of the Premier League season. Thankfully, we were at Stamford Bridge. It was this past Sunday, Championship Sunday, May 21st. In case you missed it, Blues 5, Black Cats 1. That's scoreline. Well, we weren't really sure that was going to come until quite a bit later, Nick. But before we get into that, Dan, lineup time. A lot on the line, as we had talked about. Got to get ready for the FA Cup. Final, so we didn't want to play too many youth. There's 30 wins on the line. Courtois going for that Golden Glove award. How did Conte decide to uh, line everything up? Uh, the funny fact is that we could have left Courtois on the sidelines or given him some opportunity to practice some more jump shots, and we still would have been fine thanks to a wonderful one-goal hull uh, against a 7-1 scoreline against the Spurs. But Courtois did start. Azpilicueta, Luis, John Terry, captain of the legend, starts in defense as the captain of the team. Victor Moses, Cesc Fabregas, Angola Conte, Marcus Alonso, William, not Pedro, Eden Hazard, Diego Costa as the full team, the full 11 to start the match. But we did get to see a little Gary Cahill on the 26th minute. Let's see Michi and Pedro. Michi comes in the 62 minute for Diego Costa, and Pedro comes in 
for En Hazard. So a little bit of rest for some of our starlets as the FA Cup and the potential double loom. But I know there were also some, uh, some good stats too from the match there, Brandon. Well, I mean, amazingly lopsided possession, massive overwhelming on shots, 28 shots to Sunderland 7. Uh, only 8 <laughs> Just- on frame though. Just the 28 shots, huh? Yep. Busy day for Pickford, who, uh, well, he didn't have his best. Poor guy. Yeah. I mean, he's probably used to it by now. You know, <laughs> it was a lot of dominance. Uh, as you go back to the scoreline, though, really quick, uh, a half a shout out to Janique and Justin, who Janique thinks we should combine her prediction of 4 nothing with Justin or 4-1 with Justin's 5 nothing to get 5-1. She thinks they deserve dual credit. So I'm I'm going to give you guys a half shout out. So that's it, no more. What What about me in the in the group text? It's true. Uh, uh you know, I mean, I don't want to I don't want to give myself too much credit here, but I did say 5-1. But the only problem was you predicted that at 1-1. Like, yeah, I know, because we were battering them. Yeah, it's true. Here's, here's, here's the thing. This isn't Patty Power. This isn't Ladbrokes. You weren't doing a big game bet. You know, you can't you can't try to cash in on that, Nick. Hey, okay. Next time that you guys have one in the middle of the game, we're just not going to count it then. That's just how that'll go. I like that. Standards. Kicking it off with uh, the goals of this match. Now, you know, there has been some tension amongst the crew in the last few <laughs> weeks. So I want to go ahead and let Dan lead. <laughs> Which ironically still makes him have to do the one and only opposition goal. So third minute, Chelsea give up a free kick close to the box. And Mankio ends up finding it after ricocheted off about three people and helps put the worst team in the league ahead of the best team or champions, Dan. Yeah, one of those wonky goals that you know only in late season form should you ever potentially acquiesce and... It just it wasn't a good look for anyone. It definitely was not, you know, showing any type of his mental fortitude to allow that to transpire. And, and thankfully, we rebounded from it quickly. But it was one of those things that eventually made you think, ah, could this could this be a really weird game? Do we are we really going to let Hugo Lloris and Tottenham have something to sing about by tying the record with uh, with Courtois for the Golden Glove? Um, Thankfully, that was not the case because uh, Chelsea then decided they were going to go on a little bit of a tear. It's true. And that kicked off in the eighth minute. Chelsea earned a free kick, which Alonso absolutely smashed off the, I think, the exact corner where the crossbar met the post. And the ball bounces around and Diego, Luis, Terry, Hazard and Alonso all get a touch and even probably some more people before it finally finds William out on the right side and just Puts his head down, smashes it off Pickford's hand and into the goal, Nick. Yeah, I mean, this was the beginning of what I would like to term this game as the battering. Um, You know, Sunderland, uh, I think, had every single person in the box trying to uh, deflect and or clear uh, Chelsea's passing, which in this instance was incredibly intricate. And uh, and William, you know, does have a really, really hard low shot on him. He can definitely make that um, uh, that shot. And Pickford just had to do everything right. He didn't. And it, it you know, kind of ricocheted in. Not the prettiest goal you ever, you will ever see. But, uh, you know, it got us got us level on one one. And then after that, Dan will actually have some Chelsea goals to talk about, which is pretty neat for him. 
And with this situation, like, thank gosh, William finally shot. We had so many people that hesitated and weren't ready to shoot in this sequence. It was driving me nuts. So thankfully, you know, William just had space, one touch, knew what he wanted to do. A little decisiveness from the from the Brazilian. Uh, speaking of the Brazilian, 61st minute, William finds Costa with a long ball who does well to hold it up before passing to Hazard, who absolutely belted it with his left foot uh, to the far post. I mean, Hazard just beat one of the best goalkeepers in the league. I mean, that's obviously up for debate, but I think Pickford is definitely pegged as one of the up-and-coming top keepers in the league. And he beat him on pure pace from a shot with his weaker foot, Dan. Yeah, I mean, credit to Pickford. He has not had a very stable defense in front of him. Like you remember the United game he played where Hickey was... You know, was it you know 15 17 saves that he made in a single match and it was quite exceptional um you know he will stay up while Sunderland go down I'm sure some team will pick him up and, and put him between their their sticks but you know, it's a goal that I, I know Nick gets crazy when hazard won't shoot from from range or won't take the the shot on his own and you know he just barreled it through and, and credit to Costa for holding it up just long enough for and to get the space get that run ahead and, and knock it through well, that I mean, that's the thing. How many times has Eden Hazard been in this position, kind of running at the byline, you know, after after a great ball is put in, and and not taking the shot, not even you know, taking the opportunity that maybe a deflection will bounce to Diego in the box. You know, I think that's the kind of the key note here is we we sometimes get too cute, and instead of just ripping it, you know, from. You know, definitely an acute angle um, that, you know, they try and walk it in the back of the net. I mean, I love this from him and I hope that he attempts a shot more often next year because he definitely has these opportunities, Dan. And if he does, I think his goal tally might even go up. That would be impressive up from 15. As Nick, as Nick would say, it didn't suck. It did not, Dan. It's accurate. Those are all facts. 77th minute, <laughs> Fabregas playing quarterback yet again finds Julian Lescott, of all people, who decides to head it back towards his own goal. And Pedro was able to avoid injury from smashing into the post and snuck his header in, Nick. Little Pedrito getting in with the turbo wheels he's got. <laughs> yeah, I mean, this was... Uh... Uh, someone on Twitter said that this this header was an ode to John Terry <laughs> because he got to just put his head uh, in there and and you know it was a it was a soft goal for Sunderland to give up for sure but um, yeah I mean Pedro header Hazard header you know those those two things don't happen very often so it's a uh, it's a nice thing when it does I think Pedro had another one against Leicester with that like you know spinning back heel whatever goal um, earlier in the year and so this was. Another uh, another opportunity for him to put one in. Well, we now are entering the Mishi time, as we will now call it. 90th minute, Pedro has time to just run at Sunderland's back line. Mishi makes a simple run across the defenders. Pedro finds him in one-on-one with the keeper, and he takes his finish first time very quick right through Pickett's wickets, Dan. Pickford's <laughs> wickets, but it sounds better. It- it does sound better that way. It was nice to see uh, Michi, you know, decided he liked the sliding goal from West Brom and decided to pull it off again. Uh, might be a little bit of a signature move he's developing, which was quite fantastic to see. 92nd minute, Michi is also allowed to run at Sunderland's defense. I'm finding a pattern here, guys. Defending is not hmm. something that Sunderland is 
good at. And he also just goes right into the box, has tons of space, and uh, decides to put his left foot through it. Saw the other Belgian Hazard do that. Thought he might as well. It was a great shot. He put it in the far post side netting, Nick. Um, you know, now he's got, what, three goals in four games? Uh, Yeah. You could say three that and four three goals? for sure. Four? Yeah, it's four and four, isn't it? Let's run with it. Mishi's on fire. He's in this this late game heroics right now. I mean, obviously, yeah, you don't. He had two two today. Yep. He had one against uh, Watford. Yep. And then he had one. He had the clincher against West Brom. So yeah. So four and three. Four and four. I believe it's four and five. All right. Mishi is anyway. on a run of good form. He scored his <laughs> second goal right now. How about the guy just continuing to show? I think confidence to go at a defender and shoot with his weak foot. And, like, just take the opportunity given to him. I mean, these are really good signs of Mishi. Hey, Dan, did you like my use of the goals for Mishi hashtag uh, when commentating on these on Twitter? I really appreciate that. You know, I think we started the season with hashtag minutes for Mishi. Right. You know, we had a chance to evolve it to goals for Mishi. Might might actually be, you know, the wrong, you know, choice of uh, of a preposition there. Might actually be, should be maybe goals from Mishi. Mm. Uh, we'll, we'll just keep it as goal, you know, goals for Mishi though. I, I think that's you know, it's caught on. The people yeah. love it. It's a great hashtag, maybe the best hashtag. <laughs> it's phenomenal a, hashtag. It's a it's a worldwide sensation now. I mean, you can't you can't change it once it's already reached its peak. Yeah, you can't can't do that. It's uh, it's been given life. We've bre- you know, bre- uh, we've sent life into it. It's out in the Breathed. world, and do, you know, put do with it as you will. I, I will say on the finish though, it was great to see him uh, attempted. I know that you know he, he kind of has uh, has poached a few this year. That's kind of his calling card. But uh, this was a pure finish, a nice strike, and uh, a really really amazing way to end the penultimate game of the season with the last kick of the game, and uh, and it's a goal. So uh, just incredible stuff, and good for Mishi. All right, well, that will wrap up this six-goal thriller. So it is time to get into the actual match itself. It would be impossible for us to not talk about John Terry in this episode. So right off the bat, JT gets his send-off today. He wasn't carried off the field like King Didier Drogba, but this was much, much more ceremonious this time. He will be going down as one of Chelsea's greatest ever players, probably our greatest captain, and easily one of the best defenders the Premier League has ever seen. Uh, Dan, how will you remember our our captain leader legend, the number 26, John George Terry? Oof, that is, uh, that's quite... The, the statement, I mean, it started today when, you know, the, the only a pound, uh, the CFC UK fanzine posted a video and Copa 90 had a, a video with John Terry. Mm. And then we got to the match and John Terry was on on the team sheet as captain. And then there was the word and, and rumors starting to, you know, fitter out that on the 26th minute of the match that uh, John Terry was going to get the opportunity to be applauded off. You know, so not the, you know, maybe la- le- less ceremonious carrying off the pitch, because uh, obviously t- you know John still has you know some le- you know some life in those legs. Uh, you know, I remember him for the 2014-15 season of, of playing every single minute to help us win the league. 
you know, 717 appearances, 67 goals, uh, Premier League five times, you know, FA Cup, he's looking to add another there, multiple League Cups, Champions League, you know, the full kit celebration. Uh, <laughs> I, I just, I, 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 and there's, there's so much. I mean, to encapsulate the value of this individual, this man who not only has proven himself to be a great individual off the pitch, I mean, you look at the things that he's done where he's in a donation or where you, you see him in the sidelines at the youth team matches, a guy who literally is every breath he takes in and every breath he exhales, you know, the blood doesn't run red. It runs blue all the time. And ah, man, it, it sucked. It, it, it sucked to see it. it. It's sad for the story to end. Um, you yeah, know, but I, I think about some of the sports stories that you see occasionally when someone is either you know, pushed out or not given the opportunity to do it, you know, what John did and, and get the opportunity to take, take the decision into his own hands and, and go out on probably the highest note possible, uh, absent a FA cup, which another double just makes the song that much sweeter. Um, incredible. Yeah. I think you, you, you know, you'll remember every moment that you got a chance to see him play on the pitch. Yeah, I will. Uh, I'm going to quickly jump in here. I mean, I think that everything Dan said is correct. You know, it, it's a, um, I think you can tell, you know, this is just a generalization. I mean, all the all the stats kind of speak for themselves, but I think just the passion that he has for the club really has shown through since day one. And when you see the tears and the, and the legitimate tears today, um, you know, I, I always, you know, you can sometimes tell if it's, you know, choreographed and, and the whole thing, but... I think today was just a class, class day from the club. I think it was a class day from the fans. I think it was a class day from JT, who in his first opportunity to address the crowd brought Steve Holland over instead of talking about himself. Um, you know, someone Absolutely. who he really admires and appreciates. I think the the overwhelming sense is, you know, yes, the, the joke is that Chelsea has no history. It's kind of been the, you know, what opposing – uh, teams fans have chanted at Chelsea fans forever, but um, you know, best best of luck er- erasing him and his contribution to the club out of the history books uh, because he is the greatest ever captain in the Premier League, and there have been some amazing captains. He's the greatest defender uh, I've ever seen uh, from the center back position. He scored goals. He is one with the fans, and many captains can't say that. Uh, that's why this was so hard today. If it was just a guy who's a mercenary who didn't, you know, have it in him to to clap the away fans every single time they were on the road, or um, you know, dive in after the Everton equalizer last year into the Matthew Harding stand, uh, you know, this wouldn't have been so emotional. But it's emotional because he put everything in all the time, and he's not a saint. But he's also not a devil. You know, he is a guy who's had a complicated run. Uh, but today was an incredible, incredible, incredible tribute to him. And again, this is a type of game where Stanford Chidge would say 90 minutes of football got into the way of a great day out. So obviously, like you said, stats speak for themselves when it comes to JT. I think for me, I will always remember him for being like, kind of as Dan talked about the club man through and through the fact that he can connect the U eights to the U 18s to the first team is something a lot 
of players don't do and a lot of players can't do. And his ability to really keep the entire club connected and intertwined all the way through the rankings is something that will be extremely hard to miss, especially today when uh, players are more worried about their social media followers than, you know, the kids looking up to them at the training ground. I think that it'll just be, you know, uh, a tough thing to fill. But for me, I always loved hearing those stories uh, because I was, you know, a young player looking up to high schoolers and, and things like that and college players. And anytime they gave you the time of day, it just absolutely filled you. And so I know that, you know, he he motivated so many people throughout that club uh, just by, you know, being nice to them, saying hi and giving them the time of day. It's something that we're going to, you know, we're going to have to to learn to live without because, like you said, Nick, his connection with the fans is on. It's unreal and it's easily unmatched in many circles. And then to wrap it all up, I think that the argument that no one can take away from JT and how big of a contribution he has had to the game is that he has literally been winning trophies since he started playing and has been <laughs> at the top of the the world's game for so long and that's why he has so much respect uh amongst the football community and if they respect someone that much then us as fans need to recognize that as well and uh obviously chelsea fans have no issues recognizing the value that john terry brings to the club uh but you remember that when all your shit talking friends come at you I enjoyed the fact today too. The the tribute from uh, the We Are the Shed group was fantastic. Yeah. With the uh, the banners, uh, just another I think example of that, and the fact that you know commentators or pundits were so en- enraged at a 26 minute substitution and a guard of honor off the pitch uh, just shows you how much we're under everyone else's skin <laughs> and how more concerned they are with us winning and the things that we're doing than uh, the problems they potentially have at the clubs they support. So uh, oh, wow, great, great time to be a Chelsea fan. Yeah, that whole thing. I, I just can't believe it. Like Pickford booted the ball out of bounds. I mean, I know that David Moyes said that they had like figured it out. But I mean, come on. Like it didn't take that much time. They were going to play extra time for it. Like the game didn't matter at all in the standings. Like let's just, you know, figure that part out. That's the dumbest thing I've ever heard. At Monaco, or I guess not at, but Monaco underscore vibe asked on Instagram, was this the last game for John Terry during his professional career? Obviously, he's talked that he's not going to rule it out, Nick, but do you think he is going to play on after this season? I think he will retire. Okay. I, I had I had a feeling a couple weeks ago as he was winding down um, that he might just take this coaching thing pretty seriously, and uh, and it could be it could be that time uh, for him to kind of focus on it. I know he loves Portugal and the golf, and you know being around his rock star friends, and uh, you know I don't think his presence is going to to necessarily uh, wane very much. I think he'll be around, um, but I just have a feeling that he might be might be done, Dan. Ben 5 bc on Instagram also asks, do you think JT's departure will have a big impact in the dressing room specifically? I, I, absolutely. You know, I think when you have someone who's, who's been there, who's won it, who's done it, and they're suddenly gone, you know, from the day-to-day activity and the day-to-day engagement in the club, 
uh, that's a void that's hard to fill. Uh, thankfully, you know, the, you know, you look at who the club has brought back and, and David Luiz, you look at what Azpilicueta has done this season when, when called upon. Gary Cahill, who I think has stepped up and been a fantastic understudy to, to John Terry and had some really nice words to share today as well. Um, I think the club is trying to figure out the way to support that. And I think I'd be a little bit more unnerved if we didn't have uh, the amazing Antonio Conte as our manager heading into the next season. Cause I think he also is able to carry forward the energy, the passion, the drive and instill that into the players. All right. Well, those stats we're going to let speak for themselves. Here they are. 717 <laughs> appearances, 67 goals, Premier League trophies, five, FA Cup, five, maybe six. We'll have to wait and see. League Cup, three, Community Shield, two, Champions League, one, Europa League, one. Massive trophy cabinet that chap has and deservedly so. All right, we are actually going to talk about something besides John Terry this episode. Unfortunately, I know. Sorry. But Mishi has been cooking with the grease, as they say down south, the past few games and ends the season with the Premier League's best goals per minute ratio. A lot of you are wondering how this affects his status heading into next season. But don't worry. Nick's got the answer right here. Does he? <laughs> um, uh, look, I, I think Mishi um, uh, Mishi's attitude has led him to success at the end of the season. You know, I I feel confident in that. You know, Antonio Conte wouldn't have put him on the pitch if he wasn't doing the work in training, and you know, wasn't improving, improving, improving every week. He is still a second striker, so I think he is still. Um, you know, a second option. Um, but you know, it, it, it really depends on the window, uh, and, and how, who and how we bring in players, what formation we're going to play, how much flexibility Antonio Conte wants in the squad. You know, I think when you look at, uh, you know, even like a Tammy Abraham versus a Mishi, I mean, that's like a real discussion because, you know, Tammy's a youth player, he's English, you know, he has, um, had a wonderful year. You know, does, does Conte give him a chance and, and send Mishi out on loan, or has Mishi proven himself enough to stay with the club and, and send Tammy to a Premier League side uh, for uh, the 2017-18 season? So I think that uh, there are a lot of a lot of different things at play here, um, but. Uh, I think just a, you know, I, I, we, we gave him a shout out for his goals, but I think just a, a shout out for his personality and his uh, um, endurance this year, perseverance to uh, to make enough good impressions to have the opportunity to then make a real impact. You know, if you think about it, Dan, it could be real easy for Mishi to just been disengaged. He hadn't played really at all, all season. And then sure enough, when it comes to crunch time, right at the very end of the season, he's called upon and he steps up and he's been really embracing the minutes he's gotten this season. Like, I just think that Conte has done an amazing job at keeping these guys, even like a Fabregas and William, who normally play a ton of minutes that haven't gotten them. The fact that they're engaged and still firing and ready to go even though they haven't seen the pitch nearly as much as they wanted to, is a huge credit to Conte, but also to players, specifically in this case, like Mishi. Yeah, I think you hit the nail on the head when you think about the larger 
impact that you know Conte has been able to have in the ability to take players that are not playing every week or not playing every minute um, and make them committed to the cause. And, you know, I think, uh, uh, you know, Zane, Reed, uh, Conde all asked the question about, you know, what happens next to Mishi? Does he go on loan? Uh, does he save his potential Chelsea career with the way he's played in this part of the season? You know, is he giving the club and Conte something to think about heading into the next season? I think that the answer is resounding. Yes. He is shown a resiliency, which is important when you think about building a squad and putting people into place. Someone that you know is not going to be unsettled by a lack of minutes and a lack of appearances and willing to fight for their opportunity. And when that opportunity comes to actually put something in place and, and make something of it. And I think all the credit to, to Mishi, to his wonderful affection for things like SpongeBob and sharing his, you know, Premier League winner's medal with his life-size Goku from Dragon Ball Z. Um, <laughs> the guy, the guy is just phenomenal. Like, and he's just, he's got this personality where you want him. I mean, I think it'd be fun to party with, you know, we talk about like going out with Diego and like Diego was scared would scare me shitless to go out with him. I feel like, Oh I would, yeah. I feel like it would be like all the hangover movies combined. And like, that's <laughs> only like a 10th of what that actual experience would be like. I feel like Mishi is, is more my speed from a hangout perspective. And I'm sure it'd be a treat, but he has been, I think the, the ultimate professional this season and also had fun doing it. And, you know, I think you, you have to tip your hat off to him. So what do you think? I mean, if we combine Luconde, Zane and Reed's questions, you know, they're asking, did he save his career? Is he going to be at Chelsea next season or is he going to go on loan? I mean, Nick, just real quick, do you think he's going to be in the Chelsea first team or do you think he'll be loaned out? I can't imagine he's going to be sold at this point. Sold, probably not. I mean, I think that a, a potential sale for Chelsea usually only comes after a major falling out or uh, or a loan period. So I, I don't think you have anything to worry there if you're a big Mishi fan. Um, I, I, you know, I, I don't see him as a, a first name on the team sheet kind of guy uh, right now, just to be completely honest with you. So, um, you know, I think it's impossible to say until the till the transfer window closes and we know kind of who the squad is. That way he can uh, uh, make a decision on what's going to be best for his future, too. I mean, he's only 23 I mean, he has a lot of growing to do. Uh, I think he has a lot of uh, development still left to do. I think Antonio Conte is a guy who can bring the best out of him. Uh, it will be up to Antonio to determine who and and. Uh, who he wants and, and why he wants them on the squad. So I guess I'll reframe it to you then as well, Dan, keeping it brief. Do you think Chelsea now look at Mishi as a viable second striker option heading into the next season? Maybe they don't feel as much stress about reinforcing that position as much as they did even a month ago. Uh, I think from a second perspective, having someone who can come in in the last 20 minutes of the game and make an impact, I think he's shown value for that. So I, I would be, more comfortable now, even as a, a Mishi fan uh, for the majority of the season with the opportunity to have him come off the bench into the next season. Also more games, hopefully more opportunities. All right. Fair warning, Chelsea fans, if you're not sitting down, maybe take a seat because I'm about to rock the boat a little bit. Question three. Now that Courtois has won the Golden Glove Award, where do you rank him amongst his peers and was keeping him over Petr Cech, the right call, Dan. 
Uh, that is a uh, quite the transitionary hot take position. It is. Yeah, you know, uh, I've been waiting wonderful. all season to throw just some goalkeeper hot take love at the two of you, and here we are. Oh, it's uh, it's it's a good thing I got my gloves on today to, to catch oh, that. Oh boy! Oh boy! To, to, to palm it. Wow! And yeah, you know that's that's kind of what's happening. They're they're quite golden. Um, you know, much like uh, you know, Mister Thibaut Courtois, and you know, I, I think he has shown that you know he is you know probably the top two, three goalkeepers in the world. Um, and I think from current form. Uh, well ahead of of Petr Cech from a, a starting lineup perspective, um, you know distribution has improved this season. You know, I mean, he he will always be probably too confident and cocky for his own good with some of the passes he attempts out of the back as as defenders are closing down. But you know the the Sunderland save from the the first time we played them away, um, some of the saves he's made this season have been absolutely exceptional. And I think the thing is that he doesn't look like he's having to stress too much to make an exemplary save where you look at someone like, you know, De Gea is the one I always think of who makes an ordinary save look exceptional because he does all these, you know, wild movements and, you know, gesticulation to try to contort his body into a way that makes it look, you know, crazy amazing. Uh, Courtois just does that and, and continues going about his business. And, you know, I think, Signing him to a long-term extension and keeping him in this club is, is one of the things that will continue to give Antonio Conte a spine to build upon, um, you know, to really kind of establish a legacy. You know, Nick, it was not all clear-cut. Obviously, there were issues last season with Courtois. He had the injury, the MCL. Then becoming, in, you know, heading into this season, he didn't want anything to do with Christopher uh, Lalashan. A lot has, you know, changed specifically for this goalkeeper. There's always the Real Madrid links. But how did you think he did? He had a full season, got the Golden Glove Award. I mean, top keeper? Where do you stand? I mean, he's the best keeper in the Premier League. I think that, you know, he he's definitely in the top five in the world. Uh, I feel pretty confident saying that. Um, you know, I think his... You know, his, his cockiness is, is really, really good 90% of the time. And then there's a 10% where you just shake your head and, you know, where he just needs to have a PR coach uh, kind of explain the way the world works to him a little bit. Because, you know, some of the comments this year, last year, the year before that, you know, it's just that that kind of wears on you as a fan a little bit. But he's tremendous. I mean, he is he is tremendous. He's huge. He's really tough to beat uh, as a shot stopper. Uh, you know, I think the, you know, a lot of credit needs to go to uh, Spinelli, the new uh, goalkeepers coach this year, and uh, and Hilario, uh, you know, throwback to the uh, the glory days there. Um, Cudicini? And, uh, yeah, Cudicini as well. I mean, you, you look at all of these guys, and I think that they have all kind of wrangled his best talents together. And, uh, and, and, you know, he still has some, I mean, he's, he's still a young guy too, especially for a goalkeeper, you know, he has a a lot of improvement he can make, which is scary. And I think that the club needs to lock him down, um, and, and provide some PR coaching. But other than that, I mean, he's, he's tremendous. And, you know, I think on, on any given day, you could kind of throw him and De Gea into the, uh, into the mixer as kind of the best in the, in the league. But, um, this year, 
and, and this time he was just slightly better than De Gea, in my opinion. So when you compare Courtois and De Gea, they've had some similarities <laughs> from their time coming into the Premier League from Spain. They both were shaky at the beginning, but showed a lot of promise. They both were horrible at handling crosses. And I mean laughable. Uh, Courtois, obviously, has gotten that locked down. Same with De Gea. And now they are, you know, significantly better keepers than they were two years ago. Same thing with De Gea two years after he got in <clears throat> into the Premier League. So, you know, for me, I think that Courtois is an absolute talent that Chelsea have. I mean, you're putting him in like the fact that he can continue to get better for a long time is crazy to think. You're right. He is cocky like he's been doing it for years, but that's what a lot of the best players have is that confidence in themselves. And he's done a really good job at hanging out for long periods of times, completely inactive. And then when being called upon at the end of the game or randomly in the middle before halftime, he he comes up big. So I think that Chelsea have done a fantastic job to really get the best out of one of their uh, high potential players this season. And I think he easily was the difference um, between Chelsea being able to lock up the league, uh, you know, versus maybe last season, you know, very inconsistent with his performances. So obviously I am a huge goalkeeper fan. I think Courtois has done fantastic and it's, it's good to see other people really jump on the bandwagon. Cause last season, I think everyone was like, fine, go, you don't want to be here. We don't care. And there was a lot of things saying we let Petr Cech leave for this, this kid who just, you know, has a terrible attitude. And I think that he's grown up a lot this season as well. And again, Courtois is wildly young playing at the top level with a ton of success. So, um, you know, there's going to be growing pains, but man, that guy can ball when he's on his day for sure. All right. Any other thoughts you guys have about this, Dan, anything that we missed that maybe we should touch on? I know we, I don't want to really get into the title celebration too much. Uh, we can talk about JT's farewell speech in part two, but as far as the 90 minutes plus on the field. And they, they definitely were trying to get John Terry to get the goal early in the game. And uh, I think they made one comment that at one point he was playing like a left winger. And uh, it was quite fun to see the amount of freedom that he was provided during the match. Um, but yeah, I mean, just great day, great season. You know, 38 matches culminating in today, a long season talking about it, uh, you know, with the two of you and with, you know, our, our friends and our fans online and, you know, just other Chelsea supporters and, Man, it feels so good to be the champions again. You know, speaking about that, trying to get JT a goal, I bet if he scored, the they would have opened up a probe into match fixing for that. Uh, maybe. Yeah, maybe. Probably. I bet. You know, like, it seems real convenient that JT got to score in his last ever game. And then you just look at Sunderland's I'm- defense record. Hey, who's to say he he won't get in as a sub when we're up four 0 against Arsenal? So this might not be it. Well, uh, Drogba won't be there, so someone has to carry for the legacy. <laughs> it's gonna be it's gonna be a good time. Um, Nick, how sick was that Premier League trophy decal on the locker room floor with all the players' names on it? Yeah, I mean, again, I think it's just a a, a lot of class uh, in the in the club and the celebration today. Just. A lot of really, really good things uh, to, to remember. I think that uh, Shallow Bay took the photo that, that we all saw, just kind of the the locker room and all the celebrations. And uh, just, 
you know, I, I mean, there are just so many emotions going through you at any given point today that um, I think you just smile and it's it's a great day to be a Chelsea fan. All right. Uh, well, let's go ahead and wrap it up with our last Premier League man of the match poll of the season. Nick, you somehow pulled it off where no one responded, giving you a hard time. What black magic did you use this week? Uh, so I just did, you know, I, I haven't taken the last couple of these real seriously, <laughs> to be completely honest with you. So uh, I used uh, the options of of uh, number one, JT, man of the match. Uh, the second option was uh, number 26, who is also JT. Uh, the third option is Captain Leader Legend. I think we all know who that is. And then uh, the, the last option with 22% of the vote, uh, double, double, double. John Terry has won the double. So, uh, yeah, it was just a, a cheesy a cheesy poll for a really good day. Uh, thank you for not ripping my head off Twitter. That was super nice of you. Really, really nice to see that with 26 minutes, John Terry could also win the man of the match, which was quite quite a performance there. It's a good 26 minutes. I mean, come on. It'll be one that we remember for a long time. All right. Well, as the Premier League season came to a wrap, obviously Chelsea on top with 93 points, a record setting 30 wins three draws and only five losses plus 52 goal differential most goals scored most clean sheets it's amazing uh number two uh the team who applied the most pressure tottenham on 86 points um man do they get a trophy for applying the most pressure or how does that work you know uh, oh actually it's gonna be a great second place documentary so it's going to be the the story of a team that wishes they could be first, who put the pressure on until two games before the end of the season, where they capitulated a goal against a team in the bottom half of the table. This is Tottenham Hotspur 2016-17. The pressure's on. Until we bottle it. You can even add 2015-16 yeah. as well. Yeah, this is this has been going on for quite a while is with it, them. Is it a trilogy? Um, sequel. Yeah, yeah we, we need a... We need a... In a world where Tottenham Hotspur thought they were good enough, they weren't. <laughs> yeah, they, they're, they're kind of like the uh, the Transformer movies. You know, you, you think ultimately <laughs> it, it's done and it's over, right? And, and you're like, hey, you know what? We're not going to deal with that Michael Bay crap again. But then it, another one comes out. And it's not it good, and it bombs. And you have, I mean, financially it does well, kind of like Tottenham Hotspur. They're doing well financially from the fact that they came in second place and got, you know, the same equivalent share of the other four of Liverpool. So the fourth place team and the second place team got the same amount of money, um, but eh, still not as good as some other movies. Well, I have to correct myself because Tottenham absolutely smashed hole seven one today. They actually beat us by most goals scored by one. Uh, but rounding out the rest of it is Man City in third on seventy eight points. Uh, Liverpool in fourth on seventy six points. Arsenal missing out for Wait. the first time in twenty years seventy five points. Is that a misprint? Because I thought Arsenal automatically got fourth. We're gonna have to reprint everything that we did at the beginning of the season. Uh, I just. I just enjoy the fact that the Europa tournament had the wonderful foresight to tweet welcoming Arsenal to the Europa League next season. It's amazing. I mean, if anything has been proven, it's the fact that good Premier League sides or 
sides that finished in the top six, um, are capable of advancing extremely far in the tournament. So Arsenal could be you know, in Europe for the majority of the season versus just through the you know the round of sixteen. Nah. Yeah, that is uh that's something special. That's a special kind of trolling from the Europa League, who clearly isn't taking themselves seriously now. Well, you know, not to throw in a, a last mention here, but Manchester United did finish sixth. You know, their comfortable spot on sixty nine points, significantly far behind the pack. But that's a wrap. That is the 2016-17 table for the English Premier League. Again, Chelsea champs on top of the table since week 12. It has been amazing. So we're going to take a real quick break, and then we're going to be back with your social media questions. Here we go. Hey, hey, Dan. Yeah, yes, Nicholas? Are you also worried about Brandon coughing forever? <laughs> I am worried about Brandon Coffee Feather, but I'm not worried about the fact that we have a wonderful Instagram account. You know, I think that we post a lot of awesome content from our, our trip over to England into Sanford Bridge. I've uh, been pretty active on some stories during match days to kind of share what's been going on at Brit's Pub or potentially what's been going on in front of our computers as we're podcasting. And then also sharing some of the great works of uh, your friend and our friend, uh, Chris Axon, right, Nick? That is correct. A major shout out as we as we wrap up this season to Chris Axon, who uh, is just a delightful guy um, and has uh, willingly shared his beautiful photography from every match home and away this year with us so that we could repost it. Uh, please go like it. Please go follow him at uh, at Chelsea esque um, and, and please uh, follow us on Instagram and, and come along for the ride. Uh, Brandon posts some uh, unique content there that you will not find anywhere else on any of our other channels. All right, here we go. SP Beal kicking it off with that fire for sure says or asks, what was your champagne moment of the season? Hashtag Chelsea champions. Uh, gentlemen, we'll go ahead and open this up to all of you. Uh, you know, a couple highlights maybe that you might want to remember. The Chelsea 4-0 over United at the beginning of the season. Or maybe the Tottenham 2-1 match. Or the Man City 3-1 that ended in the red mist, to say the least. Or Chelsea Arsenal in the second half of the season winning 3-1 kind of avenge well, what we can think Arsenal was for the switch to the 3-4-3. But Dan, uh, champagne moment of the season. Was it literally just lifting the trophy at the end of the season one last time for JT? Man, there, there were so many good moments. I think a lot of those games that you mentioned, uh, I think the one that just had that like visceral moment that still sticks out to me is the, the victory over Man City. You know, that was right in the beginning of December. Yeah, I think that was game week 14. So we had just kind of started to move the needle forward and, you know, had been in first place, but people were, were knocking on the doorstep. You know, we hadn't separated ourselves yet. And to go into the Eddie had to, you know, take the win away, to have Eden score that last goal just to rub their noses in it and really never looking back from, you know, week 13 forward. And, oh, man... Like, I don't know, Nick. I mean, there's just, I think it's almost too many to think about it as a singular champagne moment. Yeah, I mean, I think, man, a, a champagne moment for me, uh, you know, was was going to my first match this season and, and watching Chelsea just dismantle Middlesbrough. Um, you know, if I think for the club, 
you know, I, I really I think the Arsenal match was, you know, the three one victory and then also the three nil loss. And both of those kind of legs of our season were critical moments. You know, I think the the beginning, you know, getting waxed by Arsenal really made Antonio Conte rethink everything, which was obviously a great thing for the club in the long term. And then, you know, the three one victory over them. Uh, at the bridge was the culmination of everything going correctly, you know, Ed Nazard's goal and and the like. And I think it was at that point, Brandon, that we all kind of felt, you know, this, the momentum was going to carry us over the line as, as champions. So um, just a, a tremendous season. It's hard to identify one moment. I mean, you looked at the, the football we played against Everton too. It just, you know, was was scintillating, and you know, for for anyone who thinks that Antonio Conte is a defensive coach, uh, I think you just have to look at the the goals scored and the style that we play this year as as all just incredibly um, forward looking. So when I hear champagne, I think classy and elegant and, and fancy, right? Very special kind of a thing. And that Everton game, Nick, like you said, encompasses all of that. I mean, Chelsea were a class above the rest that game. And I think that really showed all of us, like, hot damn. Like, Chelsea can be so good on their day. And I think that uh, that was awesome. But obviously, you know, the 13-game win streak and then, you know, really taking it to teams in the final stretch to to tie this up it was all just kind of a blur but um if you if i had to try to pick one out i'd say everton to me kind of is the definition of a champagne performance next one up we have mo obat or i'm sorry at mo underscore cfc says why are sunderland defending with 1,674,848 players (laughs) Um, i'm gonna go ahead and take this one it's it's because they're bad, Mo. It's because they suck, and that's why they do it. Mm. <laughs> I've never heard you be so direct and blunt about yeah. uh, a statement. That was that was very that was very refreshing. I mean, no sitting on the fence there. I mean, Hull huh? were abysmal. Obviously, Sunderland were abysmal. Watford were terrible. I mean, they're not getting relegated, but if you just look at it, I mean, the teams that are going down. You know, Middlesbrough lost 3 nothing to Liverpool. Like, there's a reason. And Sunderland, I know they didn't have Jermaine Defoe, their savior, but holy smokes, guys, it was bad. Uh, at Aurelius13 asks, uh, did you guys cry as much as I did during the substitution and then the farewell speech followed up by Hazard Alini on Instagram says, did you cry? I did. Uh, Nick, I know you're the powder keg. You're the tough man's man. Now, obviously, we don't know how much Aurelius <laughs> cried. Maybe it was a lot. Maybe it was a little. But, I mean, it was emotional even for me. Kind of gave you the goosebumps, like in the the chills watching it happen. Yeah, I, I did not cry um, because, you know, this was a happy occasion. Um, I think, you know, getting getting to go out on his own terms is a lot better than last year. I think I would have felt a little bit more compelled to cry if he would have went out on a red card last year. So oh um, I did, yeah, I did not cry. I, I will say though, um, a really touching photo from our, our friend Jesus Martinez of the Bayou city blues in Houston, uh, who I know bleeds, bleeds this club. If uh, you know, as much as anyone else, if not more, uh, you know, I think there were, there were some tears shed around the States today for sure. At Chelsea, Eric underscore asks, if this is the batch UI we've been missing out on all season, so is this the batch UI we've been missing out? And if so, did all he need was a goal for confidence, Dan? 
Yeah, I, I don't necessarily think that this was the same Batchwai who we, we brought in. I think we remember the first one or two performances that he had, even though he netted a goal in his uh, you know, first little Premier League appearance uh, against Watford. Um, you know, that it just, you know, he, he definitely has grown a little bit tactically and also seems to be a little more physical within the way that he's kind of held up play. So, you know, it's just impressive to see that even when you're not getting maybe necessarily playing time, you know, Chelsea and Conte can find a way to help a team and help a player improve, which is, uh, is very exciting hanging to hashtag silly season. At Matt Moosey asks, who is leading the line for Chelsea game one next season? Well, Matt, I will tell you who I want. I know we've been linked with, let's see, Lukaku, Morata. Uh, any other big names, I guess? <laughs> uh, Belotti. Yep. Big, from yep. Uh, from Tor- Torin or, uh, Torino. 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 So I want Diego Costa, hands down. Like, easy answer. Now, I wouldn't mind having Morata or someone else like that, but... I want Diego Costa leading the line for Chelsea next season. Nick? Um, man, uh, I, I don't... I think today's uh, exit for him kind of signaled to me that he might not be around. Um, you know, so like if you take if you take him out of the equation and he's he's already gone, I, I think I'd probably you know I, I love Aubameyang. I don't know if he necessarily fits the system that Antonio Conte wants. Uh, so I, I would prefer Murata over Lukaku um, if Costa is indeed gone. Aubameyang doesn't fit the system because when you hit him on the counterattack, no one else can catch him to support him. That's very true. I mean, he is he is just unbelievable. So I, he would be my first choice. But I, again, I'm not the first team manager of Chelsea Football Club. Or on the scouting team. But nope. that's okay. Uh, at Ayoji asks on Facebook, who will be leading the line for us? Yep, never mind. We already got that. So um, just giving you a shout out. We appreciate the question. Ugo asks, it was only West Brom, Watford, and Sunderland. But Mishi's now scored four in three games. I know we've gone over the math. We'll figure it out. But... Because Kane got more games, he's probably worth $150 million now. Does it make sense for Chelsea to start looking at players they've already got instead of or maybe alongside a $50 million future signing? So essentially, you know, Dan, we're talking about the T- Tammy Abrahams. The Who else do we have in our ranks that could step up and really play for it? I think it, that's the only one we could bring in besides Amishi. Yeah, I mean, I think the the challenge is when you look at heading into Europe, heading into four cup competition, you know, four competitions, uh, multiple matches every week. That it's not going to be someone who is a youth starlet who's going to make the difference. It's going to be a proven player like uh, Alexis Sanchez, uh, Murata, Lukaku, who can come in and contribute immediately at the highest level. And, you know, I'm not saying that because it's, it's a fun thing to do in FIFA. I think it's a, you know, the necessary thing to do when you have a, a club that is going to be competing for every major glory that a club can achieve and, and go after. And, you know, John Terry today talked about how he thinks there's maybe five or six big signings that the club needs to make or maybe making. And that, you know, beyond the, the, who goes where and what that just has me super excited because it's very clear. I mean, you saw the way, you know, when, when Terry threw it to um, Roman Abramovich and, you know, thanked him. And then it was, 
he brought Antonio Conte over and he started singing the Antonio chant and Abramovich was singing Antonio's name like that made me believe that there's a lot of belief of the club and this guy and what he's going to be doing for us. And, you know, hopefully we can just secure everyone that he wants to allow this project to move forward. All right. Next one up. It's kind of more of a shout out than a question, but at fly the blue flag says, I think mildly lost in the big news today is at Cesar Aspi's Iron Man status. Also, hashtag goals for Mishi. Nick, there we go. Cesar Aspi Laqueta, absolute tank. What do you play? Pretty much, I think, almost every single minute of every single Premier League match this season. I think the, the toughest question that anyone could have asked us today is who is a harder worker, him or N'Golo Conte? Um, and to that, I do not have an answer. But uh, Cesar Aspilicueta. It's certainly the next player jersey that I will be getting for myself. Uh, I think he's tremendous. I think that, you know, he is he may never win the Premier League player of the season. Doesn't mean he's not deserving of it. I mean, he is he is tremendous. And I think especially in the down the stretch when Antonio Conte needed to count on his defenders, Cesar Espilicueta was always there. Um, didn't get hurt this season, minus the, the wrist thing, played through that, uh, adopted a new role, played three others uh, along the way. I mean, just... Uh, I, I think, you know, as Philip Lom retires uh, this year, and I think, you know, d- deservedly gets all the recognition that he's getting, uh, Cesar Espilicueta is is perhaps the next version of what Philip Lom could be in the in the modern game. So there are not enough superlatives to to pile on him. So I can confirm Cesar Espilicueta was tied for most minutes played every single minute in the Premier League campaign. The others to do it, uh, we're actually surprisingly all English. Steve Cook at Bournemouth, Fraser Forster, a goalkeeper at Southampton, so you can scratch that off. Ben Foster, another goalkeeper from West Brom. Uh, ben Gibson, center back from Middlesbrough. And uh, yeah, that's it. So he was one of three field players to play every single minute in this campaign. So absolute warrior. Uh, next one up at AKA underscore Mr. Underscore fingers. I don't understand why Diego would leave with our return to champions league only for the money. Premier league will be a challenge next season. I mean, Dan, why would anybody leave for literally bags, loads, more cash? Uh, short window to maximize the return on, on your time investing into yourself as a player and you know who who's to say that a freak injury doesn't occur and you know you miss out on five ten years playing time as a professional um especially when it's some of the sums that are bought it around you know you know over 30 million pounds essentially equivalent per year um to play which is you know I, I, none of us can think about making that money you know in any kind of duration of lifetime so when you think about you know, that type of money we made in a year. Uh, you, you wish you would stay, but I think you can't fault someone for doing the right thing by them and the right thing for their family. But you're missing it. Frankie said the Premier League is going to be a challenge next season. No offense, but I don't think China's going to be a huge challenge for the guy. Uh, I don't think it will either, but I also think that uh, it's a little tough sometimes. And again, it, it's it's going to be a personal decision for him and his family, so we'll we'll have to see what happens. All right. Uh, next one up, we have uh, the 
Let's see here. We have uh, an interesting question. says, um, which of the other top six teams do you expect to improve the most next season? I personally don't think it's going to be Arsenal. I think City are going to spend a ton of cash. United will spend more if they're in the Champions League. They'll still spend a ton if they're not to try to get in it. But I think Tottenham might actually splash the cash on one player. But that's about it. I don't see see Arsenal on a bit of a, a downward trend. So I don't know. It's going to be tough. There's too many factors. But that's what I think. Uh, Zach Corey asks on Instagram, uh, would this team have beaten Mourinho's team of 14-15, Nick? Um, I don't know. Like, real quick off the top, you know, obviously in 2014-15, we only had 26 wins, but we only had three losses, right? Uh, We scored 73 goals versus 85. We only conceded 32. We conceded 33 this campaign. 17 clean sheets back then to 16 this season. Obviously, a significantly different team and mentality, but what do you think? I think this team wins. I have no doubt about that. I think you have a more complete Diego. You have a more complete Hazard. Uh, you have a Pedro, who is, is a dynamo. You have wingbacks who provide width. I mean, that team, the 14-15 team, as great as they were, were very, very narrow um, playing the 4-2-3-1. Um, they, they ran into a lot of problems around the box, and this team is better crossing the ball. So I think the uh, the team of today would win pretty easily, actually. Dan, you got to help him out. He forgot the one person that we have this season that trumps all. I and Golo Conte. Yeah, buddy. That is the difference maker. Um, but yeah, I think there's also the the benefit to the way Pedro's played, the addition of Alonso, um, you know, Courtois, you know, even better this season than, than the team of 14-15, even though we had more clean sheets and, and conceded one last goal. Um, I mean, th- this team, again, is super special. I, I mean, I think you just, as I was thinking about it and reflecting upon it before we podcasted, like there's so many just genuine moments of joy that came forward from watching these matches this season. And the second half of the 14-15 season, that was like being forced to watch some some really, really dry stuff um, and, and kind of eke out some wins. And man, I, I'm just so glad we got to watch a pretty refreshing style of football win, win the title. And I, I think the 16-17 side takes it. All right, last uh, question of the day is from at Just Badua. asks, when's this year's edition of Keep, Loan, or Sell? I'm going to answer that for you. Two weeks. We're going to do the FA Cup review next week, and then the following week, <coughs> we're going to do the Keep, Sell, or Loan because you got to give the players a full opportunity to impress. Think if we did this a couple weeks ago, Mishi probably would have been on the sell list. Now he's at least on the loan, if not the keep list. So I love it that you guys are excited about it. It will be coming soon. We're going to take our last break and we will be right back with our match preview of the FA Cup final. Here we go. Hey everyone, just a quick uh, quick break here to uh, shout out XL Tours on social media. Please give them a follow. They were actually uh, doing some pretty cool stuff with the uh, Boise State women's uh, soccer team who were uh, in Spain to play a couple of friendlies against Bill Bao and uh, another Spanish team, I forget. Uh, so you should go follow them. They do some really cool tour stuff. You can get a, get a sense for... 
the kinds of experiences they offer. And then when we uh, come back next year uh, in the fall with a, another opportunity, you'll kind of have all the details. So, uh, you know, just to be clear about this, the letter X, the letter L tours um, on, on social media, Facebook, Twitter and Instagram. So give them a follow. Thank you. All right, here we go. Next opponent is Arsenal in the FA Cup final. Heading to Wembley Stadium. It'll be this Saturday, May 27th. All right, guys. A lot to talk about here. Obviously, Chelsea Arsenal split our games in the Premier League. I think we can all agree that the teams are very different at both times of the season. But some injuries, Dan. Some interesting... So there's some injuries, Dan. There's actually some interesting kind of things that played out in their match today. Yeah, uh, really interesting. Yeah, Sanchez potentially a, an injury doubt for this match, which would just be a, the detrimental type of blow to them. Uh, Gabriel went off injured. Um, Mustafi apparently dealing with either concussion or illness of some sort. And, you know, Koscielny just trying to figure out how bad of a tackle he could make to get oh. out of getting turned by Hazard again. <laughs> and, uh, you know, Ox, you know, the Ox is potentially, you know, not going to be available. I think he's the one who's most likely right now to be available for this game. But Wenger is going to have some crazy, crazy lineup challenges. And he might need to put a couple guys from Fan TV on uh, to, oh. to, you know, Claude, Ty. Uh, it, it might be a, a uh, Arsenal fan TV starting eleven. Oh, uh, yeah, this was this was interesting. I mean, Koscielny didn't want any part of this FA Cup final uh, with that tackle. Uh, we, we were talking before the before the show that that might have been as bad, if not worse, than Kunaguero's uh, um, tackle on David Luiz in the dying moments of that first first uh, matchup of the season. So. Uh, just a real dirty tackle from Koscielny. He's out. Gabriel, I mean, is would be his natural replacement, I think, uh, or or Mustafi. So, I mean, we could be facing uh, an Arsenal team that is kind of down on their luck even more than uh, than fifth place. Uh, can they can they attempt a back three with Paramurtisacker as the uh, <laughs> the central defender? <laughs> yes, please. <laughs> that would be amazing uh, to have Diego and Hazard and either William or Pedro run at that. Oh my God! Well, I, Best I, I of like luck. The, I do like the fact that you know I think Conte made a really good point today when being interviewed, and, and I don't think it's a mind game thing. I think he made the comment that Arsenal, you know, are, are the favorites for this because they're going to want it more. And they they were embarrassed in the league this season, you know, after starting off very strong. You know, really, just the the season turned for them. Uh, much like Koscielny turned when attempting to tackle Hazard and will not get old. Um, nope. <laughs> but, but they, they are going to want to come out and win, even with a, a, a lower, maybe a, a less played squad than they've fielded previously. So it's going to be a really dangerous game, I think, that we're heading into. And just like any game that's a FA Cup final, yeah, there might be a couple surprises. And thankfully, Diego was able to avoid uh, you know, uh, some, some action today just so that he could stay and you know, Chelsea make it the entire season without a single red card, which is also a fantastic news. So uh, ready to take it to Wembley and take it to the Gunners. I don't care what you say. There is no way I'm thinking Arsenal are the favorites going into this. Like Whatever angle you play it, they're literally limping into this match. They've just got the gut punch of failure to reach Champions League for the first time in 20 years. Okay. They 
won today, which feels like a loss just because of how it all went down. Um, I just don't see it. Chelsea are riding the biggest high. They've won cons- like, like convincingly. I may have like the blue tinted shades on right now, but I just there's nothing I see here that says, "Oh no, here comes Arsenal." Uh, I mean, I think you have to be a little bit more pragmatic about it, though, because you know, in a one game, you know, winner takes all scenario, you you can't underestimate your opponent. I mean, you can uh, you can underrate or underestimate Arsenal in a 38 game season because you know they're going to capitulate, but. Uh, I think in a one-game playoff, they've won this thing more recently than we have twice. Uh, I think that Chelsea need to come out and, and just play their best game of the entire season, really bury them, and uh, and the rest will take care of itself. But, uh, you know, it is, it, is a, it is not a smart thing to underestimate your opponent, and I have no doubt that Antonio Conte uh, will, uh, will be smart and, uh, about this scenario and, and not let a, a wounded dog bite him. So I, I hear you in the sense that I get that we don't want to underestimate, but like if Chelsea go out and play their game, I mean it's dead and buried. They beat Hull City three to two in th- 2013-14 and smashed an already relegated Aston Villa four nothing in fourteen fifteen. I just I know they've won it more recently, but like Chelsea when we won it in eleven twelve is against Liverpool. I just that's fine. I understand what you're saying. I don't want to take them lightly, but I fully expect Chelsea to go out and like unless we get caught on the break because we're just pounding them and get so far up and maybe we lose one but I mean man if we lost this like I would be massively disappointed Dan anything like balance me out or back me up what do you think man yeah I I think I'm somewhere in the middle uh, between the two of you guys classic classic I know I'm putting myself on the fence. It's, uh, it's actually pretty nice here. Um, you know, I, I think that Nick is right in the fact that we can't underestimate him. And I think that they, you know, have also done done the business in this competition a little more recently than, than we have. Um, and, you know, but I, I do think that if we play our game, that we will go out and smash him. I think it'd be nice to have seen, you know, Diego kind of on the score sheet heading into this match, you know, knowing that, you know, up top is going to be, you know, in good shape. Um, and, and really, I think it's so such a mixed bag because if you, you know, if three or four of those players that we mentioned, Sanchez, Oxlade-Chamberlain, Mustafi, don't make it in the lineup, I'm going to feel super confident heading into the match. But if you tell me Sanchez is there, Mustafi makes it in, Oxlade-Chamberlain is in, uh, you know, even without, you know, Gabriel or Koscielny, you know, Ox, Ox being in there, he's done a really nice job in the, the right wing back position, you know, much like Moses has for us and, he will help bring that team alive with some of his crossing action. Um, so ultimately, you know, we we have the ability to win this game. It, it should come down to, I think, a couple of really good goals from us to uh, to take it. All right. Well, Nick, I'm going to give you last call on this before we wrap this episode up. I mean, I. If you're looking for a matchup scenario that I think we could exploit, um, it'll be. Whoever Arsenal plays at their left wing back, you know, they're going to try and match us with a 3-4-3. I think we know that, Um, you know, depending on their personnel, that could be Kieran Gibbs, which would just be super. Um, And, you know, I think it'll be 
uh, you know, to be up to our squad to take advantage of that weakness. Um, I think that Diego has to play well. Um, I don't, I don't get the sense that he's not going to start this match. I think that, you know, in a, in a one game winner take all scenario, that that is exactly what we need. And, you know, I, I'm I'm looking at him to uh, to really show up. You know, and, and what could it be his last match of the club uh, to really show up and score some goals. Um, so, hopefully that you know he he goes out on a positive note. All right. Well, that will do it for this episode, Chelsea fans. Thank you so much for hanging out with us. I hope you had an amazing time watching the game here, near or far, wherever you were. It has been a crazy ride this season. So many things have happened both for us as a podcast, you as fans, and Chelsea as the team and as the club as a whole. Let us know what your favorite part about it was. Obviously, there are so many to choose from. But with that being said, we're going to do final thoughts and get on out of here. So real quick, Nick, what do you have for the fans? Uh, you know, I, I just sincerely want to th- reach out to all of our guests, um, you know, have joined us on the Premier League slate. I know that we'll get into this in our season wrap up, but uh, what a season, you know, just a tremendous opportunity that we've had to kind of grow our show um, and, and, you know, credit to everyone who's kind of helped us along the way. I just, you know, wanted to tip my hat. Dan, I believe you have some juicy, juicy details to share for your final thought. Yeah, you know, we talked a lot about the things that Chelsea did right today and did right for 38 games to win a season. And you know, there was a wonderful bit of news out of the whole press room from uh, at Simon Bird underscore who made the mention that uh, Pochettino was forced to watch the Chelsea celebrations on TV in the whole press room because no one could find the remote control. And uh, that was <laughs> quite the quite the purgatory. Not only are you in hull, but you're forced to then watch your the team that you tried to put the pressure on be awarded the trophy that you sought from the season start. And uh, that uh, that was the story and the ending of the sixteen seventeen Tottenham Hotspur pressure cooker. Now that was the ending we were all waiting for. I mean, <laughs> seriously, you can't even write that kind of a thing. Like you, you didn't have the remote control to a TV. Like that, that's funny. That's it's not. It sounded to me like maybe Hull was a little uh, salty from the the seven goals scenario, and just uh, you know, oops, oh no, we lost the remote. You know what an unfortunate scenario that this is for us and. Also for you. Uh, I'm sure so, the, uh, the FA can bring up some misconduct charges and uh, we can uh, get to the bottom of it. Yeah. You know, it's it's a shame, though, with all the pressure that Spurs put on us, they couldn't find uh, just an ounce more pressure to put on the, uh, the uh, whole backroom staff, you know, and that's just a bummer for them. Ran out of steam. But anyways, thank you so <laughs> much, Chelsea fans. It's been a pleasure. I hope you enjoyed this episode. Feel free to reach out to us, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, email, all of the lovely ways we are happy to interact with you. But that being said, Chelsea fans, we have one last match this season. Make sure you're there and watching it with all your friends. Get to the pubs. If you're in America, get to your Chelsea in America chapters. But until next time, Chelsea fans, you know what to do. Keep the blue flag flying high.
title, their sixth 